This podcast is part of Podcast One Sportsnet. Oh, dog, what a podcast. We went over all the early action up until Friday's games, but I've never seen Fezzik that scared. I mean, he's right here because we're recording something else, but Fez, be honest, you were scared. Yeah, because I'm... Just, just don't, don't, no, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Brad, have you ever seen him that scared? I am not. All I'm going to say is, I mean, that's the best tease we can give. We got him in such a vice. Maybe he'll never get out. Let's hope. <laughs> Spe- <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> Better shut up. <laughs> Speaking of getting out of a vice, straighten yourself out. That's what the junkies do. They call it. They say, Are you, I want to straighten myself out, which means just get high enough that I don't feel sick. <laughs> now, that's sad. But if you want to talk about straighten yourself out with the bookies, million-dollar bracket contest just for signing up at BetDSI. So it's BetDSI.com. You have to use promo code BELL101, so B-E-L-L-101. You sign up. You don't have to deposit. Don't have to give your Social Security number. Don't have to give any fingerprints. None of that crap. Literally sign up and you get one free million dollar contest entry. Fez is writing this down to get himself out of the vice. <laughs> now, in addition, new members get a hundred percent bonus if they deposit using Bell 101. That's doubling your money. It's like winning that first bet, even more, really, because you got to lay the VIG. That's his VIG free. We know how. You can't find that. So once again, betdsi.com, promo code BELL101, limited time, 100% bonus offer. But what's even more urgent, you can't win the million-dollar contest once the tournament has started. This is a bracket contest. That means act now, act fast, sign up, no commitment, BELL101, betdsi.com, and it's literally a million-dollar free roll. And finally, before we get started, Vivid Seats. Now, these guys have made a real commitment to the show. So let's give them at least a real good listen. Vivid Seats, an online event ticket marketplace. You can watch your favorite teams, artists perform in person. We've got a special podcast code, RJB. So it's RJ Bell, RJB, the letter B. Listeners receive 10% off their first purchase with Vivid Seats. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download Vivid Seats app. First-time customers, you enter that promo code, RJB, and receive 10% off your order. Here's why they're making the commitment this time. We don't know who's going to win these games. Think about it if you're near one of the venues. It could be, oh, my gosh, this is the dream matchup I've been waiting for the whole season. Or it could be, ah, blah, I wonder if there's any reruns of the Jeffersons. <laughs> Florence sure was funny. I mean, literally, these games can, for me at least, can span that kind of interest. What, what does the NCAA want? Now, let me say it again. What does the NCAA? <laughs> they want you to spend your money now. They want you to put all that money up. And if it's one of those, hey, I'd rather be watching a rerun of the Jeffersons, they don't give a care. 
With Vivid Seats, you get to wait to see the matchup. And then if it's to your liking, boom, you gobble up the tickets, competitive prices. And remember, you download it the App Store or Google Play, use promo code RJB, and not only are you getting those competitive prices, you're getting 10% off your first Vivid Seats order, promo code RJB. These guys have made a commitment to the Dream Preview. Give them a chance. If you buy tickets, vividseats.com, promo code RJB. Now, with these uncertain games and uncertain matchups, is the perfect time. Onto the pod and Fez's fear, which, quite frankly, gets me excited. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And yes, March Madness NCAA Tournament Version 1. What does that mean, Version 1? It means we're doubling up, baby. But we're tripling up, actually. We got a live show we'll be talking about but here's the double shot this pod which is coming out tuesday a.m we could have waited oh what's the normal day brad's got the steady date with the girlfriend women weaken late who knows the commitments fezzik has but we said f that it's monday these guys can get at least half the games done so we are doing the Tuesday playing game. I don't care if they want me to call it a playing game. It's a playing game. Pigtail is what we used to call it wrestling style. <laughs> now, Wednesday, pigtail game we're talking about. Two each, though. Then all the Thursday games that are set, that's today's pod. Available Tuesday morning. Now, tomorrow, that's going to be Tuesday. We're taping available Wednesday morning the Friday action. And then we'll be talking about the live at the Hard Rock Cafe at Vinyl on Thursday night. Let's not mess around. Showtime! Woo! And you know, I've got my wise guy round table, and it's full. To my left, college knowledge, chalk full of it. Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik. And special guest returning Arms, 23 and a half inches. <laughs> Visible tattoos, 24. Ken Thompson is with us. Talk about college knowledge. And Dave Essler was sound. And A.J. Hoffman was sound. Let's just say, wowza. We're just going... Brad, how would you explain the order we're going in? Bracket, like top, bra- top bracket, left down? How we? No, we're going right in rotation order. We're going rotation yeah. order. All right. Fairly Dickinson, Prairie View, A&M, two of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Dickinson, one and a half. Let me see here. Brad, let's start with you. 
Yeah, I'm going to lean with Fairley Dickinson here. I think it's a disadvantage for Fairley Dickinson's opponent, Prairie View. Fair, Prairie View just played this past weekend, has short rest and traveling. A lot of these uh, players in schools, I mean, let, let's face it, when you compare athletic budgets, not like they're flying first class. So a team that just played this weekend has to find out who their opponent is and then be in Dayton and play a game by Tuesday. I think that's a disadvantage compared to a Fairley Dickinson team that wrapped up and has a week of rest. Give me uh, Fairley Dickinson here as a lean. Can't argue with that, but I do like the way this Prairie View team plays. They went 17-1 and in their conference, took care of business against Texas Southern, which was their only loss, so they were able to avenge that, beat them two out of three. RJ, there's so many games on the board. There's just certain games you look at and say, you know what, I'll watch it, and uh, that, that's about it. And I might say I won't even watch it, but I'll <laughs> glance at the final before the next day's Fox show. That's me, Fez. You, you, you're going to go third always, and you just jump in. Well, here's what we'll do, because we don't want the guys with the, the deep, deep depth of knowledge stepping on Fezzik stuff. I mean, imagine how his face would start dropping throughout the pod, <laughs> how sad he'd get. Like He's like, I actually had something on that, but they hit it. I mean, that wouldn't please you at all, would it, Fez? No, I'd be fine with it. No, come, come on. Uh- be honest. That's fine. Kids stealing. Woo! Wheeling, dealing. Limousine running. Jet flying. Son of a gun. That kind of guy wouldn't be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. So we'll let you, but give, you got to give me a wave. You got anything on this one? Just in terms of the first four games in Dayton, historically it has trended more to the under than the over. Not a big sample, but the last 32 games in these games in Dayton. They're always in Dayton. 19 unders, only 13 overs. So is there, is that just randomness, or do you think there's a reason for that? I think there could well be a reason for it because teams— N- Nerves? Yeah, and it's so sudden. You find out you're in the tournament, and where am I going Sunday night, and boom, you're playing Tuesday and Wednesday, RJ. Real quick turnaround. Now, Dave Esler, who has made a name for himself on the pod with his content, he really actually became a pregame pro. He was an aspiring— pro for a long time but he broke through i mean it's been like eight years ago he did a post in which he posted two three hundred words on every freaking team in the tournament brad you are very tight-lipped with compliments how would you how would you explain this post i am tight-lipped with compliments but i think if you need a quick Study on all 68 teams that are in the tournament. There's no better resource than going to Dave's post in the forums and checking and reading that paragraph about every one of the teams. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be reading them as we're doing the pod and bringing up a few topics. So let me get to, and this is from Esler. So Prairie View started the season 1-11. and Is that correct? Yeah. And in those 12 games, they had 12 straight road games. And many were against good teams. So it strikes me that we've got a, if you just said, and again, some, sometimes it's somewhat arbitrary, oh, they've won the last 19 or whatever. I mean, what is Prairie View's record after that 1-11 start? And if we just looked at those games, how good would they be? Yeah, they'd be 17-1. Uh, and one. So you're telling me Prairie View is 17-1 and one their last 18? In conference, yep. You got to talk on mic. It's a new thing. So, I mean, as as we think as we think about that, actually 21 and 1, 17 and 1 in conference. And who who some of the losses? I mean, were there any 
Like in that that start, where I mean, they weren't like playing Kentucky, North Carolina. Who they play? Baylor, NCAA tournament team. Murray State, NCAA tournament team. Uh, some decent teams, but uh, nothing noteworthy. Okay, but all, mostly road games. Yep. And now they go into the tour in, into the conference and just dominate. Now, would you? I mean, is this one of those? All oh, the conference is so weak, dominating doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, if we're going strength of schedule, RJ, uh, we're talking both these teams, Prairie View and Fairleigh Dickinson, bottom fifteen in the entire country out of three hundred and fifty-three teams. Okay, I, I just got a feeling. I mean, there's obvious. Let's just say this: obviously, Prairie View is surging. Yes, absolutely. So remember, guys, the green button's in effect. So if you wanted, just to let you know, Brad, if you wanted to go with um, Fairleigh Dickinson and I wanted to go with Prairie View, you know, I'd be more than happy. I know you only leaned. I'm sticking with my lean. All right. Next game. (laughs) Belmont, Temple. We got Belmont favored by three. Brad. Yeah, I'm leaning with Temple here. I I think one of the reasons why Temple got into the tournament uh, it is about it's the storyline about their head coach Temple's head coach, longtime head coach Fran Dumphy. This is it for him. It's his final season. Did Temple really deserve to be in from a pure power ratings aspect? No. Temple's number seventy two in the country uh, on my overall power ratings. But the advantage I see here, and I think this is a key point here when you're breaking down some of these games, you get vast disparities in strength of schedule. And Temple played a top seventy five strength of schedule. Belmont, not even in the top 200 when it came to strength of schedule because of that, because I've seen Temple play a lot, you know, higher ranked teams on a consistent basis. I think Temple in the dog role, playing for their head coach in his final games as the head coach. Give me Temple plus the three. Boy, this feels like one of those spinal tab does it go past 11 or 10. <laughs> like if it's the NCAA tournament, do you really need extra motivation? I guess not. That's a good call. I don't know. Kent. This game is going to tell us a lot about some of the other teams from the AAC, including Houston, Cincinnati, because this Temple team should have beaten Houston at home. They kind of got jobbed at the end on a, on a late call, but Fran Dunphy's last year, that's, that's all well and good. This team has athletes, there's no doubt, and Chiz Austin's one of the better guards in the country. This guy can shoot the ball well. Belmont is everybody's darling because of their great record and because they were battling Murray State, also Jacksonville State, and Austin Peay. So there were four teams atop the Ohio Valley that were really good. And, uh, you know, Belmont's just one of those teams that people got to see in that final. They end up losing the game. And so everybody knows all about John Morant for Murray State, but a lot of people didn't know about Belmont. They have a kid, Dylan Windler, that's one of the better shooters in the country. He's the key. If they can spread the court and he can get some open looks, they got a chance to beat Temple. But I agree with Brad that right now Temple's being a little bit disrespected and they are strong inside and that's sometimes where they have problem Belmont does as far as clearing the glass so you know if you didn't get to the dance early as my good pal Fezzik would say and get the minus one on Belmont now it's at three you're probably a bit a little bit too late and you're getting a bad number so you probably stay away don't miss that open and I think the NCAA tournament is one of the great examples of that is these lines move fast and guys like Fezzik, they're gobbling up the good numbers. Doesn't mean there's not good numbers sometimes later, but boy, 
there's often some early mistakes. And the odds makers did not agree on this opener. I saw this game open Belmont minus three at some locations, RJ, and then after it opened there, other at least one other book opened this game at Pickham. Yeah, but is this one of those bet online opens for a nickel and then No. Okay. Okay. Oh. So explain what happened exactly. Uh the line was pretty much minus Just give the books. Yeah, Belmont was minus three at all the books and then South Point. So all the all the books. At like five books had okay. Belmont minus three. MGM had a minus two and a half. MGM went to minus three. Then South Point opened later, right after, and South Point opened it at Pickham. And then we're the, and the line is three, so it just seemed like everyone just bet at South South Point wanted to take what six limits. To yeah, get, and they take a ten dime limit on opener, which give them credit for that. But why wouldn't they open it at two and a half? I have to ask them. That's interesting, huh? All right. So, Ken, just to be clear, as when you lead in, because I've actually got notes on Brad's leans and likes, be clear, am I leaning or are you leaning or liking on each game that we go over? Right now, I, I, I played Belmont. I played Belmont when the, uh, when the line was minus one. I got a minus one. I got Oh, a- understood. But, but, and again, uh, at the current number. I, w- I would not play the game. Exactly. So what I'm saying is as we go into the game, I'll give okay. you the current number. You tell me what you think of it there. You got it. All right, next up, Arizona State, St. John's. By the way, we keep talking about this Temple coach, and then so Chain, what is Chaney? He's gone at this. Yeah, point? Yeah, he's been gone for ten plus seasons. <laughs> yeah, this joking. guy's been. Yeah. He 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 was great though. Wasn't he it? was great. I actually knew a guy who was their strength coach for a while. You know, but it, it's pretty famous. They used to have those five thirty practices or whatever. Yep. You don't get into much trouble if you had to get up at uh, 445, Brad. No, you don't. I mean, that helped you on the farm. It did help me as far what, as what were your What were your earliest farm duties? Uh, feed the cattle was usually right around 5, 515. Now, was it every day? Yeah, every day. <laughs> yep. You didn't like that at all, did you? Uh, I didn't mind it, but when it's the middle of January and waking up and it's... That's about that. Now, now, let me tell you, about 10 degrees outside, <laughs> middle of January. Last thing I want to do is go outside, feed them cattle, let me tell you. <laughs> so now if you have to do a bunch of games, you know, before, let's say, oh, I got to do half the card within 24 hours of the bracket being <laughs> released, just think about January mornings. <laughs> nice. That's good. I, I mean, that's really. That's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Arizona State, St. John's. Current number, Arizona State favored by one. Oh, my gosh. We're just going in order. This is Brad's best bet. It is. And I'm going to take Arizona State minus the one. I think there's a major advantage here that the market's not accounting for. And it's quite simply this. Last year, Arizona State played in the first four, traveled to Dayton. So they're very accustomed to making this short trip here. Arizona State just came up short in last year's game. I think whatever went wrong in that particular matchup, Bobby Hurley, the head coach, will make some tweaks here. And on top of that, generally speaking, I think St. John's is overrated. Why? St. John started the season 12-0 and playing the number 327 non-conference schedule as far as strength go. Very beat up on a bunch of nobodies, a couple tomato cans left and right there. And then St. John's in a Big East conference that's mediocre at best, had a losing record. St. John's overrated. And uh, matchup-wise, Arizona State, significant advantage on both offensive and defensive rebounding. All that adds up to Arizona State as my best bet, minus one. What are you doing? Why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? 
Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? He's taken off the rubber band of all these Thursday games, early games, best bet, Arizona State. Now, let me play devil's advocate. Okay. The team who gets the most grief for making the tournament usually plays pretty well mm. in the tournament. Doesn't say, and, and maybe when I say the team with the most, let's say the handful of teams that are like, that you, you, and you, you're the problem. They tend to step up. Yeah, they do. Isn't St. John's potentially? They are group? one of those teams, no question about it. And you're saying that's a factor, but it's not big enough to get not you Not big up. enough for me. I think Arizona State's another one of those teams that got some grief for getting in as well, though, RJ. So you think that evens out right. with you, too? Hmm. Ken? But again, they get the play-in game, and yes, Arizona State being there last year, not only being there, but losing there, and that kind of sticks in their cross. So I agree with Brad. They're going to be as focused as ever. And Hurley, again, they know the routine because they've been there. They've gone to Dayton. So the familiarity role comes in. But St. John's is a dangerous team. Why? Because they have Shamari Ponds. And this guy is one of the most explosive players in the country. When he's on, they can hang with Duke like they did for the first 18 minutes at Cameron. They were right there. In fact, they had a 10-point lead in Duke on Duke in the first half. But then everything kind of came down and crashed in on, the, on them in the second half, and they got blown out. Again, if you can get that type of effort from St. John's, and Mullen's done a good job with this team, they've got players. Figueroa can shoot it. they got a chance to, to beat Arizona State. I think it's a very entertaining play-in game, and I think St. John's is a dangerous team, but I agree with Brad because of the familiarity and the loss last year in the play-in game, ASU would be the shot that I would go with. But this is a lean for you. Yes, just a lean. All right, so best bat, the best bat, Arizona State, Brad Powers. Next game. Oh, a classic. <laughs> North Carolina Central. And I was hoping for this matchup. North Dakota State. Right now, North Dakota State, five and a half. Brad. Yeah, and just to put it in perspective, how bad NC Central is, stack ranking all the teams in the country. They got in the tournament, NC Central, despite the fact they're number 304 in the country as far as a power rating. It's tough for me to lay a big number here, North Dakota State. I mean, a sizable number of five and a half. Both teams among the slowest in all of college basketball as far as tempo. So we're going to get a very slow pace, fewer possessions. I'm not sure I want to lay the five and a half in this particular spot, especially both teams not familiar making this. Just a lean for me on NC Central plus five and a half. Yeah, there's no doubt. North Dakota State's had some good teams in years past, but the Summit League was way down. And Mike Dom, everybody knows the big star for South Dakota State, but they got beat by Western Illinois in the first round. And that kind of shocked everybody. North Dakota State was able to get it done. NC Central, this is their third straight appearance. And they were the lower seed, but they were able to knock off Norfolk State. They're a team that'll play hard. You're going to get their best effort. This is a game, again, too many games on the board. I'll stay away from RJ. Brad, we got a 135 total on this game. That looks awfully high for two very slow teams and a critical mm. game in terms of they would, each one of these schools would love to say, we won an NCAA game. Asterisk, it was a play-in game. Would you agree under? Yeah, I would. One, one other thing, though, RJ, North Dakota State, one of the best teams from the free throw line in the country, 77%. And one of the things I had... Pregame.com research, Matthew leading the way on this one, do was look at Brad Powers' power rankings. That's the Vegas perspective we trust the most. Ken Palm and then Jeff Sagarin. And we want to see when there might be differences amongst them, but also when is there going to be differences with the spread. This one, 
Power says seven and a half. North Dakota State. Ken Palm says eight and a half, eight point seven. Saragin says six. Could this just be a situation that it's hard to fathom that teams that are supposed to be equal? I mean, in theory, if it's a play in, it's saying these are two yeah. teams that were just the next two. Could it be there's just a natural bias pressing this line down and that if this were the regular season, the line would be closer to seven or eight? I agree. If all things were considered, it would probably be a little bit higher. I think one factor is probably worth a point. Ken mentioned to it. NC Central is their third straight time they played in a first four game. I think that's definitely a huge advantage over North Dakota State. Okay, so that might, the fact North Dakota State's better, that's worth about a point or something. Yes. And again, it's that quick turnaround, it's the venue, et cetera. Yep. Next game. Villanova, defending champions. St. Mary's. I tell you, Brad, you were... uh, I got ended up getting sick last week. What did what was the takeaway from that Gonzaga St. Mary's game? Because you were all over Gonzaga. I mean, you were. I, I mean, did I hear you right? You were thinking of getting a tattoo <laughs> or something if the, you lost the bat or something. Yeah. So in that game, St. Mary's limited Gonzaga to sixty possessions. So think about that for a second. Gonzaga every minute was only getting a possession and a half. St. Mary's really slowed the tempo, and on top of that, Gonzaga by far had their worst shooting performance of the entire season. Gonzaga only had five games this season where they shot less than 50% from the field. In that game against St. Mary's, RJ, they only shot 37%, which was like 6% lower than any other game. I just chalked it up as random variants that they just didn't hit their shots that night. And it like may, any other loss of yours. Oh, jeez. And it may, <laughs> it may not have just been random variants because I watched the game. And so typically in a situation where you've got a huge favor like Gonzaga and they're down 8 to 10 points with about 4 or 5 minutes to play, they throw the kitchen sink at their opponents. They press them. They do half-court trapping. And Gonzaga just sat back and let St. Mary's run clock. And it was a the quietest four-minute huge upset I think I've ever seen. 60 to 47. Gonzaga's just like, oh, well, another team in our conference got a bid and walked off the court. Hmm, because you would think they'd like to kind of crush, you know, that was the debate. That was Brad's extended handicap was that Gonzaga was going to crush them down because they had a chance. All right. In this game, we got Villanova favored by five and a half. And Fez, you like this one. Yeah, I like Nova. I think it's about Mm. St. Mary's being overrated based on that Zags upset, which, like I said... Gonzaga just didn't seem to bring the full effort they normally would in a game, and they did have their number one seed locked up. And so that big win by St. Mary's, I think, has them overrated. I also like the geography edge here. The game is in Hartford, four-hour drive from Philadelphia. St. Mary's may still be partying after finally beating their arch rival, uh, Gonzaga, here. Partying two weeks later? And now they get, I think, I think it's been a very fun week in St. Mary's with that big win, and now they got to go out to Hartford. The crowd is going to be all for Nova. Okay, so Fezzik liking Villanova. Brad, you don't like Villanova. No, I lean the other way. Lean St. Mary's. Lean, RJ, on St. Mary's. I get it, Fez. Uh, I think it's definitely being priced in the number, the fact that Villanova's playing close to home in Hartford. St. Mary's. St. Mary's, RJ, is literally flying across the country from California to Hartford, Connecticut, unlike Kansas. Uh, Kansas But, I mean... In 2019, with all this rest, does that really matter? Uh, you know what? I, I think 
playing, you know, how, how often is St. Mary's playing on the East Coast? I, I mean, they play but all what, their... But what are... But what... Is it an early start time? That's what I'm going to look right now. I think it's that a 720 a, start time. I guess that's not going to make a difference either. All right. All right. Well, here's my main reason why I'm leaning with St. Mary's. For me, both teams, bottom 20 as far as pace, tempo. So this is going to be a game where you're going to get both teams use up 25 seconds of the shot clock. And it's going to come down to whoever's making their shots. To me, I whenever I see both teams run a really slow tempo, for me it's dog or nothing, just because it's tough to get margin when you got so few possessions like Gonzaga had against St. Mary's a week ago. Lean St. Mary's for me, plus the five and a half. And to me, that's the catch twenty two. The same talk was in the NFL, but then what we found out with the data was that that the line tends to account for the fact that it's a slower pace and a game that is maybe eight and a half would be 10 if the pace were faster. Pure power rating for me has this game at four. I think you give at least a point. But, or... but let's be clear. You're way ahead of Ken Palm. Ken Palm has it at 1.1, Sagarin 3.6. So yep. you're on the high end, even at four, and they're still five and a half. Yeah, I think it's worth a point or so as far as Villanova's home court advantage here. Ken. I lean towards Villanova because of the game being in Hartford. Uh, Booth and Pascal just too much athlete as far as St. Mary's. But again, they come off the win against Gonzaga. And it's one of the most amazing things, RJ. This team lost 94-46 to to Gonzaga by 48 points. They turn around and beat them 60-47, to a 61-point turnaround from one game. They had another game in between in Moraga, their home court. But, I mean, that's absolutely incredible to face the number one team in the country and a 61-point turnaround. That helps them get there. The kid, Jordy Ford, that scores 21 points a game for St. Mary's, had no other other opportunities as far as to get a scholarship. St. Mary's, Randy Bennett, the only one that offered him a scholarship. The only other option he had was to walk on at UC Irvine. He got the scholarship there and 21.3 points a game leading the way. But I lean Nova because Booth and Pascal, these guys know how to get it done. And I think Gillespie will get some open looks. So I lean Nova. And I do get a sense of Villanova's like, this is the second season. Like whatever happened before doesn't really matter I think that's, though, in theory, you're seeding, but I think that's going to be a relief for Villanova, positive there. And I also wonder, what's the line on this game if St. Mary's loses by 20? <laughs> there is Benson? no game. St. Mary's would be in the NIT. They wouldn't even make the tournament. They wouldn't have even made the tournament. And the line's only five and a half. Mm-hmm. Huh. But you won't, I mean, you, no you bet. just, no bet. You gotta wonder if he even leans. He's just like maybe he's making it up, or is he scared of you? You think? I tell you, every lean I've ever had when somebody offered me a bet at plus one hundred, I always make it. Ooh, oh, dog! Next game, Odom, Purdue, Purdue thirteen point favorite in this game. Brad likes it. Yeah, I like the dog here, Old Dominion plus the thirteen. Gonna sound like a broken record, but you know what am I looking for in these NCAA tournament games? Because we see this time and time again. You know, you get a slower tempo than usual because every possession matters. It's win or go home. One of the bottom 20 teams as far as tempo is Old Dominion. Old Dominion team that's been here, done that. Uh, their coach has been had multiple NCAA tournament bursts. And I just don't like the Purdue, the vibe around Purdue. I thought it was a home run spot for Purdue to make a run in the Big Ten Championship. They're a very experienced team. They were catching a Minnesota team in a bad spot off an overtime game. And what in the heck? Purdue doesn't even show up. They get outright upset as a double-digit favorite. 
I'm not liking what I'm seeing from the boilers down the stretch here. I'm going to lean with the big dog or not lean like Old Dominion. I know you lean team. a lot. Even nah, I like it. I like it. Like it. Ken. I can't touch this Old Dominion team. I mean, Stith and Cave are pretty good players, but at the end of the day, this team does slow it down, and they just don't shoot it well. They're only 41% from the floor. They're only 66% from the charity stripe. Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein are by far too offensive-minded and uh, and pretty good shooters there for Purdue. If I were going to play it, I'd play Purdue. I lean Purdue minus the 13. Lean, but you don't want it bat. You want action? Uh, it's Baker's, Baker's dozens, too many. Uh, and I, you're right, Brad. I don't like the way they played against Minnesota in that Big Ten tournament. Faz, where are you at? Yeah, I lean ODU. Purdue hurt my feelings and my bankroll, losing outright against the Gophers in a home run spot. If you if they couldn't even win that game outright, how are they going to cover 13 here? ODU very well coached. So the Powers rating says 12.3. Kempom says 20 and a half. Sagarin says 13. How can Kempom be at 20 and a half? Some of Kempom's just if you're just taking their pure power ratings difference doesn't account for the actual tempo in the game. So I mean, if I went to Kempom right now and looked at the actual projected score, I'm sure it's much lower. Okay, so you're saying just doing the math on the power rating, which is what I had Mackie do, it's better to just get the projected score that they have. Yep. Okay, and is that a premium offering they have? That is a premium. Okay, interesting. So why don't we do this? Why? Because we don't want to read all their premium offerings. That's not fair to them. Um, but in the handful of games where it seems like it's way off, maybe. So what? what what's the projection? Thirteen. Thirteen on this one. Okay. All right. So we'll look. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Next game. Marquette Murray State. A lot of talk about this Murray State. Marquette is four and a half. You know. We got some sound from A.J. Hoffman on this one. Why don't we let A.J. lead the way? Murray State, Marquette. I like Murray State plus four and a half. Marquette is not nearly living up to their brand name over the last few weeks, winning just one of their last six games. It's obvious that Marcus Howard is wearing down after carrying the load for that team all season long. John Morant playing some of the best ball of the season, though, and he showed in the OVC tournament why he's going to be a top-five draft pick. These are some... There's some major matchup problems here for Marquette as well. Marquette's entire offense is built on the three-pointer. They're the ninth-best three-point shooting team in the country. Uh, while the Golden Eagles can also score in transition, they can't win games without good shooting outside. Murray, fourth in the country in three-point defense, 28.5. Morant and uh, OVC Defensive Player of the Year, Shaq Buchanan, they're going to make life difficult on Howard and company. Murray also ranks 109th nationally in steals. Marquette ranks 240th in turnovers. The matchup between Morant and Howard is going to be must-see TV, but Murray has all the edges here. Murray State plus four and a half. All right, thoughts, Brent? Yeah, I'm with AJ here. I lean with Murray State, and I think the number one factor, and it was mine, and AJ briefly mentioned it, Marcus Howard. He's one of the nation's leading scorer. He plays for Marquette did not look like the same Marcus Howard in the first 20 games of the season. They really, his uh, usage percentage is something that's premium on Kempom, but I, it's very valuable with guys that have very high usage rates. And we've seen Marcus Howard literally as the seasons went along. It's so, just, so why not like it? Because, you know, and this is another big, you know, concept thing here. Murray State, to me, feels like one of those really popular public underdogs. Six and, and a half to four and a half. Yeah. 
And uh, that's one where I wish I would have gotten six and a half. But I, I think everyone's going to say, ooh, Ja Morant, uh, Morant, top five pick. Let, let's take Murray State plus the four and a half here. I just think it's going to be a very popular public pick. Ken. Morant played pretty well in a couple early games non-conference. They lost by six at Alabama. They lost by five at Auburn. So two big schools there. Marquette, right. They're not living up to their billing. But what does Marquette like to do? They like to get into an up-tempo game. Why? Because it spreads the court. It gives guys like Marcus Hauser or Marcus Howard and uh, Sam Hauser uh, some good open looks from the outside. The key to the game is Joey Hauser, Sam's younger brother. If Joey can be that third component to fill it from the outside, Marquette in an up-tempo game, that's when they're at their best. The reason that they struggled and limped to the finish line there in the Big East is because they were playing slow-down teams and teams that were defensive-oriented and were playing good perimeter uh, three-point defense against them, and they struggled. Sam Hauser did his job. Marcus Howard was coming off the wrist injury, and Joey Hauser was a big disappointment. I look for younger brother to up his stock there, and I lean to Marquette. Okay, lean Marquette, like Murray State from AJ. Fez, you lean... Murray State. And, you know, I got to tell you, Marquette, 23 and 4, what Brad was saying with Marcus Howard wearing down. Marquette's 1 and 5. So sometimes the team finishes 1 and 5 because they've got a really difficult schedule. But Marquette didn't have a difficult schedule. They lost at home versus Creighton. They lost at home versus uh, Georgetown. They lost in their conference tourney versus Seton Hall despite having recent revenge. Marquette did. So they lost twice to Seton Hall down the stretch. And, you know, Ken, I got to ask you, I mean, you talk about slowdown teams. Um, have hurt Marquette, but Creighton, Georgetown, Seton Hall, they're not really slow down teams at all, right? No, well, Creighton's not. And, uh, you know, but the, I did watch that game. In fact, I had the over in that game, and it disappointed me because both teams, you know, went at a slower pace, and both teams really need to have wide open threes. Why? Because they have three, four, or sometimes five guys when John is on the bench that can all knock down the triple. So you got to take advantage of your strengths. I was surprised that Marquette, especially at home, because they were undefeated at home for a long time, that they played the pace of the opponent. And when you're at home, you dictate tempo. I don't care if you have to full court press a little bit to get them into a running gun a little bit more, but that's the only way Marquette wins. And I said it after that game against Creighton, Fez, you made a good point. I said if Marquette plays at this pace, they'll be knocked out first round of the NCAA tournament. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Next game, Vermont, Florida State. Now, this was one of the steam games. Steam games. It opened 14 and a half. Now it's 10 and a half. Who in the right minds would be laying 10 and a half when you, uh-oh, wait a minute. Fez, this is your best bet. Yeah, I like Vermont here. Wow. Let me make my case. You know, eerily similar to back, I think, in 2002, Vermont upset Syracuse in the tournament, catching a similar point spread around plus 11. It's a really bad spot for Florida State. They just had a deep run, Florida State did, to the conference finals. They beat Virginia Tech in overtime. They beat Virginia, and then they lost to Duke. It's hard for me to think that Florida State's going to be able to get sky high for Vermont, even though— So we think think this is a motivate—that round one— 
of the NCAA tournament, we've got a Florida State team that's unmotivated. I think they'll be motivated like NC State was when. Remember when NC State won won it all and they won the ACC tournament? And we're then, talking back in '83. Yeah, but the same concept applies when they had a reunion. Are you talking with the Jim players. Valvano? Valvano's players said, "You know what? <laughs> against five slam and jam, we knew no, it was against Pepperdine. They said we knew it was the NCAA tournament, but, but we had just played Ralph Sampson and we had just played Michael Holy Jordan, cow. and How? now we're playing Pepperdine. It was difficult. For, they you said." Know, to you get know, up for that know, game. You know what this reminds me of is one of the great lines in or, or, or themes in Entourage is drama being older than the rest of the guys. And at one point, drama goes, well, when I was doing my three-day <laughs> extra on Barfly, which was shot like in 82, uh, Ari goes, how effing old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you really going back to the early eight? That was thirty. It's a great comparison point, though. Um, let me compare and contrast what happened. Let's with- just do some quick math, though, just to be clear, because I'm going to add this up real quick. Now it's 2019. Yes. So it's 19 years since it's 2000. <laughs> yes. 29 years since 1990, 39 years since 80. So it's like 37 years ago. Now, when did you graduate high school? 1982. All right. So 37 years before that would have been 1945. So literally, you're telling a story now how someone talking about Dropping the bomb at Hiroshima and how excited they were on V on on VE Day or whatever it was has it's the same thing. If you don't learn from history, RJ, you're doomed to repeat your. You mistakes. realize though, that, <laughs> like someone told, how would you have responded if it was World War II talk at your high school graduation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brad, this must seem ancient even to you. RJ, to summarize, Florida State just had to play three conference games back-to-back-to-back against elite opponents. Contrast that with Vermont. They had to play. They had to win three games to win their tournament. But what, what happened in their tournament? It's the weirdest format ever. Vermont got to play three home games. Never seen this before. On the 9th, the 12th, and the 16th. They never traveled. They never had back-to-back-to-backs. It was the easiest schedule ever for Vermont. And now, where's the game? The game's in Hartford. It's a a three-and-a-half-hour drive for Vermont. Who in Hartford that's neutral comes to this game that's going to root for a team from Florida? No one. Everyone who's neutral is going to root for the underdog. The crowd is going to turn on Florida State. They're going to root for Cinderella here. I've been hanging and banging for years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. It's your best bet. Now, the line move doesn't bother you? It's sharp money. It's going to win. I know, but, I mean, you do realize following of Steve. Of course it bothers ju- me. Yes, but I think it's it's strong enough that I still think there's value. So, Vermont, Brad Powers, you've got 11.6. Ken Palm has it 13.8. Saragin has it 10. The line's 10 and a half. So you think this line has to be what? You have to think the line is eight? Eight and a half. Off this line points. should be eight and a half, and they opened at 14 and a half. Big mistake by the odds maker. Ken. I, I agree with Fez. I think there's still some value. You there. like it? I, I like it. I like Vermont. Wow. And I'm telling you, Becker's done a great job there. This team averages 24 wins a year, and they got a chance to avenge their loss 
last year against UMBC, Baltimore County, and they didn't. They didn't just win the game. They blew that team out the wall, out the water, uh, the retrievers. They blew them out the water, took care of business. And like Fez says, in Hartford, trust me, there will be a lot of Catamount support there for this particular game. They will buy up some tickets. It's a basically you know, going to be a, a big advantage home-wise because Florida State, like Fez said, first off, they're taking this for granted that they're going to mop up with a small team. And second of all, because they excelled so well in the ACC tournament, people think that they're a shoe in for the Sweet 16. I don't think so. I think Vermont's got a chance not only to cover this game, but if Florida State plays one of their flat shooting games, and they've done it in the past, wouldn't shock me if Vermont pulled off a stunner and beat them outright. Now, Brad, you've got a chance now <laughs> to go 700 bucks against these guys. You, I mean, I don't know how much testosterone you got coursing. Not much on this particular game. <laughs> I lean Florida State. Number one, I think the home court advantage is being priced into the number because my power rings say 11.5. Okay, give Vermont a point or so for home court advantage. That's one thing. I don't think playing three games in three days, I agree with you, Fez. That would bother most teams. Florida State, they're one of the deepest teams in the country. They have 11 players, Florida State, that average more than 10 minutes per game. So I don't think they're as gassed emotionally and physically like most teams. And also matchup-wise, you're going to turn on the TV and you're going to see Florida State tower over these Vermont players by at least two inches per starter here. So that's why I'm leaning with Florida State uh, minus the 10.5. Now, it, it strikes me that a lot of these games like this it maybe this is what I want, what I want to say. It feels like the first half bats versus full game bats mm. cover the first half with the dogs cover more in a tournament than regular season. For whatever reason, you see a lot of twenty seven twenty fours on the ticker when the team's like ten and a half yep. with three minutes left, and then it ends up being, you know, in many cases, 19 at the final. Is the conversion the same as during the regular season, Faz, first half in the game? And is there any reason not to split your bet here? The conversion is the same that the odds makers make, but I think you bring up a great point, RJ, that probably the conversion should be less. So in a game like this where the spread's 10.5, you'll see a first-half line probably 6 to 6.5, and and plus 6.5 would be very attractive. And what happens so often is that a team like Vermont mucks it up, 27-24, like you said, it's real close. And then you get midway through the second half, and Vermont's down 7 Oh, you're looking good. You're catching 10 and a half. But what happens when Vermont's down seven or eight with five minutes to play? They have to speed up to try to win the game. And oftentimes, that's their only possibility to win. And then they get blown out when Florida State gets to play faster and Vermont gets to play, has to play at a pace they're uncomfortable. And you get the foul fest sometimes in effect there. Let's be honest. This is win or go home. This is your entire season. And you got a minute and a half left. You're down by seven. And when you're down, I mean, 10 and a half is usually on the outside yes, of that I agree range. With that. But it's during not the regular far. season, but not yeah. during the tournament because Brad, as Brad points out, down nine with the minute to play, there's no way Vermont's not going to hack. So they're going to keep hacking until Florida State gets up 11 or 12. And then when Vermont misses their last three, then they'll give up. Well, this is the best time to do our one commercial about our live pod because this gives you a chance to tell Fezzik how wrong he was if it ends up falling like 12 here. <laughs> All right, we've talked about it. It's a go. Hard Rock Cafe, Thursday night. 
So all the games happen on Thursday. What happens? 10 o'clock p.m. at Vinyl. You might say, Vinyl, what's that? It's a famous room in the Hard Rock Cafe. Sleepy, how much, how much effort is Vinyl putting in? Is the Hard Rock putting into this? You were talking about it. It was a little scary, you said, but tell me what you saw on the highway. Yeah, it was driving down uh, I-15 down there by the strip clubs, and there was a big <laughs> billboard there. <clears throat> Had a big picture of R.J. Bell, March Madness. It was blinking. People were stopping, taking pictures of it. It was absolutely no, 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 awesome. No, now, now you're fibbing. I, <laughs> I'm going to go take a picture, yes. But but there was a full-on billboard up, correct? Oh, it had to be a 40-foot, 50-foot billboard. It was monstrous. You can't miss it. Thank God for post-production on those pictures. I told you it was a team. It was a team effort. So, guys, if you're going to be in Vegas, the tickets are like 30 bucks, and the VIPs are more, but the VIPs have the meet and greets. We've got Ken, whose show ends at 10, is going to be rushing down to catch the second half. We have A.J. Hoffman. We have Fezzik. Fezzik's hair. Fezzik's hair dye. A toupee, <laughs> if he has a toupee. We got Brad. I mean, it, it really is. And Steve Cofield. Local radio legend. And to me, it's going to be uh, Saturday handicaps. And what did what's the late-breaking info, latest Friday lines. Pod will probably go two hours, only 300 seats. If you're going to be in Vegas, go to my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Grab up some seats. And I think, listen, we've never done it before. I know it's going to be fun. And we're going to spend about at least a half hour, if not longer, taking questions from the VIP section. So with a traveling microphone. So, guys, this is a one-of-a-kind new thing. I think it's going to be successful. Check it out. Thursday, 10 o'clock. You know, the vinyl, they had the Dice Man play there. There's been some other big names. I mean, really big names. But just if it's R.J. Bell, it's like, who's played vinyl? Andrew Dice Clay and R.J. Bell. I'll take it. What do you think, Brad? <laughs> yeah, it sounds good to me. You probably have a, a number. Of I the, think you're favorite over Andrew Dice Clay at this point. 1990, no. In what? Drawing? Fa- yeah. No way. Yeah, right now. The Dice Man? Little Miss Muffet, Southern or Tuffet. Yeah. yeah, it's not 1989 Eating anymore. Eating He's not- still... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe he knew those. Uh, oh well, yeah. that shows you how big the dice is. Yeah. I mean, the guy sold out sold out Madison Square Garden. Think about yeah. that for a second. So anyway, it's up on my Twitter. Check it out, Ticketmaster tickets. We'd love to have you there. Okay, anything else on this game? No, I'm tempted to push a button. It just feels so square. You know what I do? I I, I will push a button. All right, Fez, give me 10 because it's no vague. No, I need 10 and a half. Oh, that is interesting, isn't it? I thought, now how much is a half point? Uh, You're saving 10. You're betting this game, right? Half point's worth 10 cents. No. Really? Half point at 10 is worth 10 cents? Yeah. What do they sell it to you for? 10 cents. So so they're selling it to you for the right it's price? probably 8 cents. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm willing to give you 
Think about this now. Ten cents of value for eight cents back. But you say, no, thank you. I got. I can't lie here. The wife has told me to tighten up with bets that I make against you specifically. <laughs> what? She said, bet more against Ted Powers, kid. <laughs> that is hilarious. Hey, she's... <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I'm you're not so, saying she's I mean, right or wrong. Yeah. I'm no, I'm saying she, I'm saying she's smart is what I'm saying. Wow, Brad. I guess as timid as you've been lately. I've been fine. No, I mean fine if timid's fine, yeah. No, I've been good. <laughs> All right, next game. I can't believe you won't take that. Yeah. Oh, another game. A lot of lot of action on this one. A lot of action. Yale, LSU. LSU seven and a half, and Brad, you like? Yeah, I like Yale here plus the seven and a half. What I see with LSU, quite frankly, a distracted team off the court. Head coach gone, suspension clear, downgrade from an X's and O's standpoint from Will Wade, the former head coach, to now the interim head coach Tony Benford. Also, I thought, generally speaking, LSU was overrated to begin with. Here's an LSU team that has more overtime wins than any in the country. Five overtime wins this year. Coin flip games. Say instead of those coming up heads for LSU five times, maybe it's 3-2, 2-3. You got three more losses. Guess what? LSU is not a three seed. They're more like a five seed. Yale's very effective in field goal percentage. I'll take Yale plus a seven and a half here. Now, here's what worries me. Your power ratings say 10.2. Ken Palm says 12.4. Sagarin says 9.2. Mm. So obviously, we're looking at even taking a conservative estimate, we're looking at multiple points now being deducted. Now, initially, the Wade thought, and we'll get Ken's thought first, our Wade thought was two points initially, one point later. Two points because of distraction, being half of it, and X's and O's, not just the inferior coach being half. But then once the distraction is gone, maybe a point. Boy, the market is saying more than that. Yeah, I'll tell you, and it's it's crazy because Wade didn't want to talk with LSU, so that kind of let me know, okay, he said he wanted to find out everything that's coming up against him before he even talks to the university. So that's not good. And it's interesting because Javante Smart is one of the names that's mentioned on the tapes, but yet after sitting out a game, he then played in the next game for LSU. So I think they're going to throw caution to the wind. They're going to let him play. They're going to go for it. Look, they're going to get thrown on probation anyway. It doesn't matter if somebody did something illegal and you don't know that they did it. At the end of the day, you're the university. You hired the guy, so you're going to be responsible. But Naz Reed is the only thing that keeps me off this game and taking Yale because this guy's one of the best rebounders offensively. And LSU, unlike the other teams in the SEC, they don't settle for the three. They can crash the offensive glass as well as anybody. So if Yale isn't hitting their shots from the outside, they could be one and done, and all of a sudden this lead can balloon at any time because LSU, they'd rather go inside the paint. And collectively, they can do it. They can crash the glass. So I'll stay away from the game. Uh, LSU, I I think they're going to go for it. So, RJ, I think it's feast or famine for LSU. I think they can win this game by 20, and I think they can lose this game outright if they're not focused. So what you're saying is if you like Yale, you might look money line here. I'm serious, yeah. Hmm. Brad? 
Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I could I could see LSU. I mean, let's face it, in starting lineup for LSU, they have three five star players. So I mean, it, it could be they could just overwhelm you. And like uh, Ken said, win by twenty. But man, if they're not focused, if they are distracted, LSU, I think Yale is one of the Ivy League teams that we've seen in recent. Yale, Harvard, that slows the tempo down and, and can pull an outright upset here. I'm actually going to lean over. I'm going to disagree with Brad. I never disagree with Brad. So this is going to be the only time I imagine during the podcast. Yale does not want to slow it down at all. You have orders to bet against Brad at any opportunity. Yale Yale is a track meet team that other teams in the Ivy League are trying to slow it down. They just played a, a championship game against Harvard, 182 points scored. And when Yale had the lead, all they did was it looked like there was a 12-second clock. This team loves to run. So I, I lean to Yale for all the reasons you mentioned, Brad. I agree with you there. But my concern is with a total at 160 that this may not come down to coaching. This may just be roll the ball out there. LSU will love to run with Yale. I think we see a track meet. I lean over and I'd be perfectly happy to bet over if anyone liked the under. Hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, this is why. Well, you, you can't... haven't made a bet in so long that someone, oh, finally a bet. So what, what, what number are we using here? He, yeah. he said 160. Okay, so Fez, you're going over or under? Over 160, that's fine. Well, you're, you're, you're getting a bad number there. It's fine. Oh, well, mm. 60 and a half it went. Nah, the square shops. Boy, I, yeah, you're on the square side there, Fez. Stations at 60 and a half. Pinnacle <laughs> at 59 and a half under 27. Well, I'm pressing it too. <laughs> Your wife doesn't control me. <laughs> now you're gonna have to lie and say yes. <laughs> she's, I'm gonna come on. She's gonna be like, "What bets do you have against Brad?" <laughs> I mean, is that right? It's under twenty-seven, fifty-nine and a half. You see, is that what you're seeing, Fez? Yeah, but they've got a $500 limit. Don't worry so much about the pinnacle oh. now. No, this, is a, this is a teaching point. Oh. I agree well, with you. Well, first off, this is the same teaching point that that that, that uh, Matty Holt was giving you three months ago you were trying to fight. That Matty guy is a very sharp guy. Uh. I listen to him. So we all know pinnacle, we would argue, is the sh- sharpest book out there because they deal reduced VIG. But they also deal very low limits on totals in the NCAA So tournament. what are you seeing in a matchbook? There wouldn't be anything up at Matchbook right oh, now. Oh, so any that doesn't matter yet. either. It doesn't matter right now. Yeah, so if someone put an offer up in Matchbook, it would be irrelevant right now because it'd probably be like a $100 offer. But at, at Matchbook, there'd probably be a $10,000 offer, I'm guessing, the day of the game. Brad, we're on the right side, baby. I love it. I know. We'll, let, we'll let you buy out, Fez, if you want to. No, I'm good. <laughs> wow. Ken, any, any, what's your thoughts on the game in general? Uh, what LSU the Yale? Yeah, you we going over you? Yeah, I, I, I'm already. I, I'm so excited. Yeah. I, 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 I got some. I mean, I, I got. I'm getting like a twenty five cents of value here from Fez. I mean, it's like that doesn't happen. No, I mean, see, he's off right now. See, because what that's what ends up happening. Someone comes in to a guy like Fez. This is how he likes to rock and roll. Or the cowboy boots, cowboy hat. Walked around, a lot of action that week, a lot of action. You think he was worried about some woman telling him what to do? I mean, <laughs> listen one more time. Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, 
Walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. No woman was anywhere in sight. No. <laughs> and now he comes in saying, make some less bets here, more bets there. Conservative here. It just freezes them up. It, right or wrong, Fez? You're off right 100% now. right. You are off. <laughs> I love it. Next game. <laughs> Seton Hall. Wolford. Is that how you say it? Wofford. 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 Wofford? Yeah. A lot of people like to say Wolford because they're the, they're the terriers. terriers, right? Yeah. But it's Wofford. Wofford. I think Wolford sounds a lot cooler. I'm saying Wolford. Wolford favored by three in this game. Uh-oh. Fez is exposed. He likes, as he would call it, Wofford. Yeah, I like the Terriers minus the three. I tell you what. I know they're in a lousy conference, the Southern Conference, but going 18-0 in any conference is a feat that you absolutely have to be impressed by. So four losses for Walford, all of them to good teams, solid teams. I think their worst loss was at Oklahoma this year. It's only a five-and-a-half-hour drive down to Jacksonville. So not only should Walford travel well, but again, the neutral fan. Who are they going to root for in Florida? Are they going to root for this underdog story, even though they're the favorite? Or Seton Hall. Well, guess what? Seton Hall does not win at all because they don't even win this game in the first round. I like Wofford minus the three. Boy, I got to tell you, it, it, it just it feels off. It feels like this was his last, like he was counting his likes. Is, is this one of your last likes? It's supposed to be five likes, right? Yeah. No, I truly like this game. I don't like the fact that I'm laying three. I was hoping to get, get it to pick him, but I still I like it up to minus three. Hmm. Brad. Yeah, I lean the other side. Give me Seton Hall. And to me... Just pow on, baby. Pow right, on. Let's do it. Yeah! Love it. So, you know, Wofford's getting a now lot that's, of... That's Brad, by the way. Yeah. I'm not doing it because there's a three <laughs> Oh, you're and a half, not? Right? You got me to... Yeah. Oh, okay. There's three and a half at five times wow. right now. I see how you roll. <laughs> I think Wofford right now is a little <laughs> overrated in the marketplace. Sure, they played a really tough non-conference schedule, but they, I mean, they lost and lost by margin. Tough. Anybody worth pretty much a damn in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And right now, if you tell me I'm going to get the Seton Hall team in the last six games that we've seen from them where they nearly swept both Marquette and Villanova in a period of three weeks, they just came up short against Villanova in the second game. I mean, Seton Hall right now, in my opinion, is playing like a top 25 team in the country. And that's the case. Gimme, gimme, gimme on the Hall plus the three here. You got to bet, Fez. Next up, Ken Thompson. Oh, he just yeah. Ken leads off firing on the hey, button. I, I look, oh. I, I, I love Fez, man, and I like this Wofford team. They're a lot of fun. The SoCon blood Houston in the Con. water. Look, there, there's four teams, four, four teams in the SoCon that are respectable. A couple of them in the NIT, and then some of the smaller conferences. East Tennessee State, pretty good. UNC Greensboro, they said, was the first team out. Wofford spanked them three times. NC Greensboro actually had them by five to seven points in the finale of the SoCon, and there was no guarantee that Wofford was going to get in that large bid, so if they lost that game, they would have been out. They go on a 20-3 to run in the last 340 to not only win that game, but cover it. I know because I laid the points, uh, but again, the way that Seton Hall is playing right now, and they had to win their last two regular season games against Marquette and Villanova just to have a shot at an at-large bid. They continued to play well in the tournament. I think Seton Hall is a big-time team, and Miles Powell will be the best player on the court. There's no doubt Fletcher McGee is the one that everybody will know about from Wofford 
Stafford, when they show all the highlights, this kid can flat out shoot it. But you don't think Seton Hall knows all about that? Willard's a pretty darn good coach. I think they're going to be all over him. I think Seton Hall wins this game outright and probably wins by five to seven points. Oh, wow. Wofford was not going to be out of the NCAA tournament. Wofford was in the top 25. Wofford was way well, above here's Belmont the, in everybody's ratings levels. Here's the nice thing is now in college, it's a $200 bet. If you want, you can offer everyone to double up. No, I'm good. Oh, okay. You know, boy, if it was three and a half, I'd be all over it. Wait a minute, though. Coming to Fezzik's rescue, a pick from Mr. Dave Asler. My man! I held that information back from Brad. From the Southeast, Dave Esler. Dave, uh, yes. And Esler's been Regional winning. Regional expert. He's been winning. He's from Wisconsin. He, what? He's been winning since Moses wore short pants. <laughs> Wofford, minus three over Seton Hall Thursday night. Opened a little bit lower. They're up to minus three. I think Wofford's favored for a reason. First things first. This game's in Jacksonville, which is about a five-hour drive from Wofford. One would reasonably expect this is a road trip outing for most of Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I know any neutral fans, like maybe Kentucky fans or LSU fans, are all going to be pulling for Wofford. Wofford this year has played North Carolina, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Mississippi State, all teams better than Seton Hall. The only game out of those I mentioned that they were never in was Kansas. Wofford has the second highest three-point shooting percentage in the nation. And who has Seton Hall lost to? Villanova. Butler, Marquette, and Louisville, to name a few, all teams that rely heavily on jump shots. Seton Hall turned the ball over with more regularity than anyone in the Big East, and they had the second least efficient offense. They got a much shorter bench than Wofford. I think the Terriers will be the ones playing Kentucky. I think Wofford is favored for all the right reasons. Love the Terriers over Seton Hall. You know, I love Esler, but, I mean, it's Wofford, please. <laughs> but we got... Fez and Esler on one side, Ken and Brad on the other, mm. RJ sitting back, collecting the VIG. Wait, there is no VIG. Shoot. Next game. RJ, can I just say one thing? Because I, I love Dave Esler, and Dave, Dave's, Dave, Dave's already saw, and he said teams that they lost to, and he said Villanova, Marquette. He failed to say that they came back and beat Villanova and Marquette. When they had to do it, when they had to do it, their backs were against the wall. They came, came and took care of business. So you got to say, okay, they lost them, but they also beat those same two teams. Seton Hall, we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I hate, listen. That's why there's chocolate and vanilla ice cream, right? If we all agreed, it'd be boring. Luckily, though, the fireworks went. At three, Faz, if you wanted to give me three and a half, I'll give you some more action. You know what, RJ? If we make it two and a half, I'll go, I'll oh. go up against you. <laughs> you. Are you allowed to, or are you going to have to make a quick call? <laughs> Phone a friend, Faz. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the line at, um, right now um, is three minus 13 at Pinnacle, and I know I just said doesn't matter, but still, he's willing to lay two and a half. To is it okay? <laughs> Would it be like that? Hello? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, hello? Hello? It's, it's almost scalpable. We got to do it. <laughs> All right, Kentucky, Brad's old team, and Albaline Christian, 22 and a half. Brad. 
Just a lean here on Abilene Christian. Number one, it's not a good spot here for Kentucky. Let's face it, Kentucky just played uh, over the course of the weekend a to-the-wire game against Tennessee on Saturday, now traveling for them. Abilene Christian does something really well. They shoot the three ball really well, top 20 in the country. And it was concerning enough that John Calipari, within like 10 minutes of the announced seating, he's on one of the shows, and he says, hey, this is concerning for me that Abilene likes to shoot the three ball. Of course, they would match us up with a team of that capability. Because of that, I'm going to lean Abilene Christian plus, or plus 22 and a half. Ken? I don't like to lay 22 and a half, but I would look to lay it here on Kentucky, and here's why. Two of the starters for Abilene Christian were booted off the team by Coach Golding with 10 games to go in the season. Friday, their big guy, second leading scorer, and then Maxwell, another solid player. That's major. Look, they were able to limp through and get through the Southland Conference, but other than that, now you're going into a another dimension, basically, against Kentucky. I think Kentucky, this game will be close for a while, and like you guys said, one of those 27-24s, at the end of the day, this game's going to end up 90-60. to Okay, something we've never done before. A lot of oh. firsts, a lot of history. Did he, did he like it? No, uh, he leaned. Lean, right? He leaned. leaned, okay. So, yeah, no. Okay. Ken, Ken, Ken got yeah. that button. He's oh, ready. no, no, because I, I think Kentucky's going to kill him. Okay. Is we are going to do a separate podcast with just one intention. Now, we've got a good many games to go here. But we're going to do a separate podcast with one intention only. Games to bet. No. We are doing a bracket. Okay. Collectively. And that's why we're telling the audience, you guys right now, about this. Because, and we, you know what we do with pods. It's free, 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 free. You're getting everything here free, free, free. This is different, though. If you want to see the consensus bracket from Brad, Fez, Ken, me, I'll be kind of the tie break guy. But also we got the bracket from Esler and AJ. And what we're going to do is use my rules that I've developed over like 10 years to say, okay, we need at least 113. We need at least this, that. And then based on that, we're going to do, we won't call it the perfect bracket because that's very unlikely. (laughs) We'll call it the, I don't know, ideal bracket. That's not good either. Let's market something here interesting. The Immortal bracket? No, it's not like it won't die. Um, hmm. Optimal? I was going to go optimizer. The bracket optimal. Dream bracket. The dream. That's it, Brad. The dream bracket. Now here's going to be the deal, though, guys. If you've never bought anything for pregame, you're going to get 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 a really good deal because you get twenty five dollars just to register. So you go to pregame.com, you sign in. Register. It's free. Takes like less than a minute. And you're going to have $25 waiting in your shopping cart. You go to buy picks, which is where you buy picks. And over on the left, you're going to see uh, Dream Bracket, which is going to literally be a podcast of us talking through the bracket and a picture of the bracket. So you get both the way we thought it through and the picture of the bracket itself. And it's a $35 retail, so you take off your $25, you are getting it for $10. Now, those that's bought before, I'm going to give you a $10 coupon. So now you're getting something premium for a normal price because usually our picks are $25 or whatever. 
This is the dream bracket. What a name. It's a dream bracket. And what we're going to do is go bracket 10 as your coupon code. So you can't use both. You can only use one discount at a time. If you've never bought a pickup pregame, go register. It's easy. Put in your dream bracket, and you're going to see a $25 discount in the shopping cart. Press one button, boom, 10 bucks. it's yours. You get the audio and the picture of the bracket. If you've bought before, just use coupon code BRACKET10, all one word, all caps, the number one, the number zero at the end, BRACKET10, and you're going to get that $35 value for 25 I think this is going to be the biggest seller we've ever had. Because if you're put, if you're putting the time to put a bracket together and you can get the dream bracket and hear how we thought it through, I think it's going to be very popular. We're going to take the extra time and see if you guys like the idea of some of these premium products. Okay, Minnesota, Louisville. Louisville is five. Ken. I'm going to go with Louisville. I like this team. I think Chris Mack has done an outstanding job in his inaugural season there. And I know the uh, Patino connection there. Richard, of course, an assistant for his dad for years. And his dad there for many, many years. And then Minnesota really caught fire and played great ball. And they continued to win after even pretty much guaranteeing themselves an at-large bid. So very impressed with the way Minnesota's playing right now. But I think Louisville's just too good. I think this team has just uh, you know got a couple players that are you know, head and shoulders above anybody uh, Minnesota has as far as shooting the ball. And that's where I think this game will be won because Louisville's just a better shooting squad. They're going to, both teams will uh, probably look to run a little bit here and there. But at the end of the day, I'm on Louisville. Uh, the line has gone down a little bit and I think it's going my way. I hope it continues to drop. So this is a like for you. Yes. Brad. I lean Louisville here. Uh, there's one particular category that Ken Palm offers up that I think's given us some value here. It's the luck category. And and the basic behind the luck category is here's what your record is. Here's what your record should be taking in, you know, consideration, close wins and losses, taking in consideration. This is what the box score said. Here's what the final said. And then if there's any uh, disparities, Minnesota on one hand, one of the luckiest teams in the country this year, top 25 on the other side, Louisville, Number 301 in the country, one of the unluckiest teams in the country. So, to me, that tells me Louisville, slightly underrated. Minnesota, slightly overrated. Therefore, value on Louisville, minus five. Lean, Louisville. Okay, lean and alike on Louisville. And we must mention, uh, you know, Rick Pitino's son is coaching at Minnesota against the team that fired his dad. It's getting all the play, and I think, to me, it, it might be getting too much publicity because everyone's saying, you know, revenge for Minnesota. Uh, and to me, it's a non-factor. If anything, it feels like it's going to awaken like a Louisville team that might take this game less less seriously. Even <laughs> though it's a tournament game, it, it's going to put them on note. I can tell you that the Louisville, particularly the new head coach, Chris Mack, this is a very important game for him to establish himself in his new era, taking over for Rick Pitino. And he's done a great job, RJ. I mean, he handed North Carolina their worst home loss ever. Next up, Bradley, Michigan State. Michigan State, 18 and a half. Brad, you like? I like Bradley, plus 18 and a half. I think this is the worst spot, one of the two worst spots for any team this upcoming weekend. There's a Michigan State team that just played three games in three days. If you watch the Michigan game, 
They, they put it all on the line there. They got players playing less than 100%. And now after playing in the latest window on Sunday afternoon slash evening, now they have to travel and playing early start time on Thursday. Already a depth shy Michigan State team without two of their top eight players. One of those players got hurt in the Michigan game. He'll be out here. And to me, I definitely don't want to lay a big number against a Bradley team that is one of the slowest tempo teams in the entire country. Tough to get a big margin here against a team that's going to really slow you down. I like Bradley plus 18 and a half. Now, this is another one. I mean, I don't want to judge. I mean, it's 21 and then 18 and a half is no problem. Hmm. Good point. You can push the button. I'll take it. No, no, no. I'm just trying. Yeah. I'm not saying I like the other side. I'm yeah, saying but, that you're. we're talking about people laying 110 here. But When you like it, you're saying lay 110. RJ, we're talking like a couple books had that up. So I, I'm wondering how many bets. I mean, it's been 18 and a half all day on Monday, you know, less than 12 hours, you know, after they were first released at a couple books. Yeah, but apparently South Point was taking how many? 10 dimes? 10 dime limit. Yeah. And obviously, someone bets. <laughs> the um, I got to tell you, RJ. As far as betting optimally here, this is a game that feels to me like the the sharps did take Bradley plus twenty, <clears throat> plus the twenty one. But now that it's eighteen and a half, if there's one team that I see the public bet come tournament time, it's Sparty and Michigan State and Izzo. We trust. They say I think. We're probably going to see an inflation of this line. That's why. So what you're saying is, if you do like Bradley, this might be one. Because usually, if a dog starts getting bad, it continues to get bad. Yes, but in this case, I think that we're going to see plenty of public money early Thursday. Everyone's going to be rolling into town, itching to get their bets down, and I can see them loading up as their early best bet on Michigan State. I think we're probably going to see a 19 half or a 20 come back. I hope for Bradley. Kent. This is a Bradley team that was, I mean, left for dead early on. They had lost 8 of 10, and they were just miserable when they started the Missouri Valley campaign. But they won 12 of their last 15 games. They shocked everybody by winning this conference tournament. They took out Loyola of Chicago, a team that had beaten them by 14 points earlier in the year. And they're just playing with no pressure. And for anybody that's played basketball, when you play with no pressure, you're not expected to win. You can shoot the ball a little easier. Look, home Court advantage, yes. Sparty travels well. But this is a bigger bigger game regionally for Bradley. They're from Peoria, Illinois. They're right there. They're in Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. They will represent. They will be there. And I agree with Brad. I think there's still value at 18.5 with Bradley because Michigan State, their point guard is banged up. Nick Ward is still coming off the hand injury. So, yeah, Izzo's okay winning this game by 10 points, 12 points, 15 points, as long as the team doesn't stink it up. And you're going to get Bradley's best effort, and they are going to dictate tempo. They're going to slow it down. And if Michigan State gets a couple early fouls, has somebody go to the bench. Again, Michigan State wins the game probably by double digits, but I say maybe between 10 and 15 points. I think 18 and a half, still too many. I'm with Brad. I'm on Michigan State. We, we I mentioned, mean, I'm on, I'm on Bradley against Michigan State. Excuse me. Bradley it is from Ken. A like, also a like from Brad. We mentioned Dave Esler unmatched his treasties on these teams. One of the things he brings up here is he actually likes Michigan State in the first half. Now, this runs contrary to these ideas we've had of, oh, sometimes it's tight, 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 and you get margin at the end. His thinking is he'll want to rest his guys. The same reason 
that you're saying, hey, the quick turnaround, the late turnaround, and all that is going to have his guys saying, guys, let's put this thing away early, mm. which might mean, or which certainly to me means, if you do like Bradley, this isn't one of those first half kind of situations. But if you like Michigan State, maybe it is a first half bat. We saw Tom Izzo actually implement this in the Big Ten tournament. First round game against Ohio State, Michigan State got up 2021. He took out all of his starters, Tom Izzo. And then what happened? I mean, Michigan State's a little depth shy. Ohio State cut the lead to like five and ended up Ohio State covering a big point spread when they were down 20-plus points with like five minutes left. Yeah, Michigan State was laying, I think, 11 and a half, up yeah. 25 with seven minutes to play, win by seven. So, Fez, this feels like a great in-game um, alert situation, whereas Michigan State gets up at any point, let's say, by 25, unless if there's more than 10 minutes left in the game or even eight minutes left, I think we look at Bradley in game. Yeah, the eight-minute media timeout, so right around 7.40 typically, would be probably the optimal time if Bradley trails by 20 or more. But what if Michigan State gets up by 25 at halftime? Don't yeah, you like Bradley there? I do, absolutely. So, I mean, it feels like that, that, that we've got history even this year yep. – and this is remember they win this game. Michigan State it's a forty eight hour turnaround. Right. I think this could be the spot of all the in game spots if Michigan State gets up big. Looking at Bradley, agreed. Florida, Nevada, not Nevada, Nevada. Right now, Nevada, two in this game. Ken? I'm going to buck the trend here. I'm going to say Florida wins the game. I'm not a fan of Nevada. I mean, I, I enjoy watching the team. The Martin brothers are solid. Caroline is nursing an injury. Uh, they need him to be 100%. Jazz Johnson, Thurman, they've got players. Musselman's a good coach. But even though this team has experience from last year, I like the way Florida's playing right now. They were in must-win situations in several of their last games, and they found a way to get it done. They're a physical team, and when Allen gets it going, man, he's a leader. I, I just like you know White as a coach. I, I have a feeling that Florida's going to win this game. And again, I've looked at Nevada all year long as being overrated. It came to fruition when they got in the Mountain West Conference tournament and got beat. They also got beat by Utah State. I just don't think this Nevada team's as great as everybody uh, predicted them and prognosticated them, including Blue Ribbon early on. And I very rarely disagree with the Blue Ribbon magazine, but I or book, but I do here, and I think Nevada's won it. They're gone. They're out in first round. Yeah, I'm with you, KT. I, I'm leaning on the Florida side here. I think Florida's much better than the record indicates. I mentioned a couple handicaps ago. Luck factor. Florida, several close losses for them. They actually rank number 326 in the country as far as being an unlucky team. Nevada, generally speaking, I think it's overrated. And on top of that, Nevada, this is the best team Nevada's played all season. Nevada hasn't played a single top 30 team in 30-plus games, so there might be a little shock factor here. This isn't Wyoming. This isn't San Jose State. Florida's going to roll out. And keep in mind, Florida plays, what, five top 30 teams in the in the SEC? So I think a major strength of schedule advantage for Florida here. You know what? Forget it. I I just don't lean Florida. I like Florida here. I'm with you, KT. Florida plus two. They win outright. They're tempting you, Faz. I'm going to upgrade to liking Florida as well. RJ, oh, you oh. love the free roll, and you've got a free roll here. This line of two to two and a half is right if 
and only if Nevada's gifted guard, Jordan Caroline, is 100%. But guess what? We know he's not 100% because he, he had what they called an Achilles flare-up. And he missed. Did the, you text your wife to upgrade this to a like? I've got. I'm waiting for her to get back to me. But um, this guy, it's a tentative like Caroline. I mean, Ken can speak better than I can. But 18 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. This guy's really, really good. And Nevada lost a guard earlier in the year, making him even more important. I believe without him, or if he can't play close to 100, percent Florida wins. Ken, your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, this this team, Nevada. I've been watching them all year long, and they're right here in our state. And a team that made a great run last year got knocked out by Loyola Chicago. But I kept watching them. And unless Caleb Martin is lighting it up, not Cody Martin, Caleb Martin, unless he's lighting it up from deep, they're in a lot of trouble. He's got great range. He's got NBA range. But he's the guy, even more so than Caroline, they they go the way Caleb Martin goes. And I really think he's going to be, you know, they're going to be all over him. So I'm looking for Florida, who's a very physical defensive team as well, to clear the glass, and there's not going to be a lot of second opportunities, I don't think, for the pack on the boards. Is it true, Fez, that you're considering, and I'm not saying you're doing it, of putting just a shift or two in a week as a ticket writer at William Hill just to have <laughs> like a foundation, like a financial foundation? Well, no, to get the information on from their database on what some of their players are playing. I thought they kept all the sharps out. Yeah, exactly. So what would you be getting? You know what? That's a great point. That, that's yes, probably, but do you not also hold a day job, paying job, a, a square job? RJ, that's like the, that really is a, a fantastic point. If there was one book that I could really the information of who's betting what would be worthless on, it is William Hill because they've kicked out everyone with the brain here in Nevada. If he, had, if he got a job as a ticket writer, I think I'd, I'd have to let him go. <laughs> I mean, because how sad would it be? Yeah, that would be a sad day. I mean, imagine if there's like people at other sites going like, yeah, go down to the uh, Silver Tenants <laughs> and see Fezzik writing tickets. You know, there is a professional handicapper here in Nevada who does work for William Hill. Didn't know if you knew that. As a ticket writer? Yes. Then or- he's not a professional handicapper. <laughs> Semi-pro. He's a professional ticket writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Next game. I'm confused. Ken liked this game, Florida. Brad leaned, and then all of a sudden it's like Brad's like beating his chest. Okay, I like it. And then Fez says, okay, I like it. Like, to what end? Like, I'm going to phase you three? Like, what was the point? To act like you're making a ballsy move when you're all agreeing with each other? Well, I'm just utilizing the latest information that's available to me. I know, but it feels like you guys are creating the environment where it feels like you're doing something, but you're really not. Ken was the one guy. Ken was the originator. Ken, Ken could have had 600 bucks against him. Yeah. But then when Brad sees no one go against Ken, he goes, well, I can like this with no risk. And then you see it and you think, I can like this. It makes me want to bet it just to give you guys risk, but not bet Ken. Ken and I can, because I, I respect Ken. What's the current line here? If I'll I give you if, an extra half point. Yeah, you want, you, you, you want to take just, uh, Hold you on want to just two? That's fine. What are you talking about? The line's two right now, first of all. <laughs> you'll give, you me, you'll give me two and a half? I'll give you two and a half. All right, so well, when, well, I'm confused. No, no, no. You I'll like you Florida. We got the dogs. Yeah. All right, so you like Florida. Yep. See, I don't even care who it is. I just don't <laughs> like what you guys did. So I would be taking Nevada minus one and a half. Yes. 
Okay, so you're giving me one and a half, Brad? Yep. All right, I'll press it on you. All right there. That's it. That's all I want. Brad was the one. Fez, who knows? I mean, he might get divorced if I press another button on him. So, <laughs> but, but Brad was the one that was trying to put his chest out. And I give you credit. You, you do know there's two and a halves out there. That's fine. But you really don't care about the numbers, do you? You're like a team. Not guy. in this game. Bet I the know. team. Because Fez hit it. I mean, in a perfect world, two sounds about So why right. aren't the big batters just, why isn't this game flip favorites then? Because there's still that injury question mark out there. Okay, but what, what he's saying is it's a free roll. Why aren't they killing that MGM number at two and a half? Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. By the way, is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to start a new website? Brad Powers minus 400.com. Wow. <laughs> this, this from the guy that has to get permission, apparently, to make a bet against me now. Next game, Michigan, Montana. Michigan, a team. We're going to let Ken start here. He is down on Michigan. I am down on Michigan, but I'm down on Montana, too. And they were able to get through the big sky and come back. I actually played them at the half, and they took care of business. Uh, they were down pretty big against Eastern Washington out of the gate, a team that struggled all year long, but Montana found a way to get it done. So it's not the typical Montana team that we've seen because this team, let's face it, 70% of the time, it's them or Weber State out of the big sky, and Montana usually represents well, but this number is probably right around where it should be, around 16, and I think Montana hangs for a little bit because of their deliberate style, but I think Michigan's probably able to wear them down and clear the glass. So wouldn't shock me, RJ, if this ends up 20 or 15. I think it's right around where it should be. Brett. You know what? I actually like Montana here, plus the 16. Here's what I don't like about Michigan. I think it's in a bad spot for Michigan. Again, played that very late window on Sunday, late afternoon, early evening, Big Ten championship game. Michigan laid it all on the line there and still somehow came up short. And now they're traveling here. And keep in mind, Michigan, not a very deep team. And that might be why some of the reasons why they faltered down the stretch time and time again against Michigan State. In fact, Michigan, number 350 in the country as far as bench minutes. What's that mean? Their bench doesn't get a lot of minutes. And there's only 353 Division One teams, and Michigan's number 350, so they're not very deep. We already saw them run out of gas in the second half against Michigan State. And to me, it's tough to, to lay a big margin when Michigan already runs a very slow tempo. And Montana is also a team that's below average as far as running tempo. Montana hung with Michigan last year in the first round of the tournament, and I think they hang around here like Montana plus 16. Fast. Pass the game completely. RJ, here's the only thing. This game's in Des Moines, Iowa. So when Michigan, even though they've been shipped out west, they will represent big time here. They will have a lot of folks there. All right. So, Brad, you like Montana. Yep. Line opened 18. It's 16. You got no problems. <laughs> I mean, is it this got to concern you, right? I mean, it does, RJ. But, I mean, we. I, I like, I mean, we have to have likes here. I can't, you know. It's so you, so what you're saying is you really don't like this all that much. Oh, I, I don't like that I'm losing two points of value. But again, we're less than 24 hours of these lines getting posted. I know. They gobble them up. They yeah. do. And guys, that's the thing. If you're betting that night, great. But if you're betting now, be careful, right? These po- I mean, you might think, what's two points? Well, that's the whole freaking point. That is the whole game. Auburn, New Mexico State. Right now, New Mexico State six and a half. Fez, you like this one? 
Yeah, this one's all about the venue here. This game is in Salt Lake City. Altitude, RJ, 4,200 feet. New Mexico State, Las Cruces, altitude 3,800 feet. So basically used to the altitude. Auburn altitude, what, 1,000 feet on the plains of Auburn? So if that. altitude advantage, um, New Mexico State. Brad, you also like this one. Yeah, on top of the altitude, why it's a major advantage for New Mexico State is they're number one in the country as far as bench minutes. So that means they throw waves of players at an Auburn team on top of the altitude that we think Auburn's going to run out of gas. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Auburn just went all the way through Sunday, went in the SEC tournament, extended a lot of effort in that tournament, playing four games in four days, now traveling west across the country in altitude against a team that's the deepest team in the entire country. I like New Mexico State here, plus a six and a half. Ten. Yeah, they're the deepest team, but they're coming from one of the worst conferences in the country in the WAC. And who do they play, really? I mean, it's not a bad team. Chris Jans has done a great job. And Marvin Menzies, who just got fired here at UNLV, you know, a lot of people looked at all the good years that he had at New Mexico State. However, Weir and now Jans that replaced him had much better years there in Las Cruces. But it's an Auburn team that just has too many shooters. And they're a team that can take a three-point game and turn it into a 20-point game in a matter of three minutes. Ask Tennessee. They found that out. Tennessee, a good, solid team, one of the best teams in the country. Next thing they knew, they were down 20 in the SEC championship game. So I'll stay away from the game because of uh, you know Auburn's path to get there and because of the venue. And I think they probably saved some up for the winner of Northeastern and Kansas. And uh, you know, but uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to take New Mexico State. I just think the whack is too weak a conference. I can't touch it. Ken, I mean, you're bringing up the three point shooting because Auburn relies so heavily on the three. That makes me like New Mexico State even more. You got a team that relies on the outside shot that I'm expecting to be tired after going balls to the wall in their conference tournament, now traveling, playing in altitude, they're relying on a three-point shot. If I got tired legs in the second half and I'm trying to chuck up 20, 22-footers, I don't like these chances. Okay, but here's the thing. These guys play on Thursday and then Saturday all year long. Now all of a sudden they get four or five days rest and they're yeah, going to be too tired? Wait, wait a second. I mean, they, they don't have an opportunity to play four games in four days. What game is more important, beating Tennessee for the SEC championship game or playing New Mexico State? winning a first-round game in the NCAA tournament because as great as winning that SEC title was, it doesn't mean a hill of beans if you lose first round in New Mexico State. It'd be the most embarrassing loss for Bruce Pearl at Auburn. The button's there, KT. No, I, I just said the only reason the venue six and a half. I Auburn's going to win the game. There's no doubt you want to bet Auburn wins the game, I'll bet you. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, well, that's what you're saying. You're saying it's Auburn But, but remember right? now, the whole point of Ken saying that I don't like this and I even lean the other way, but I don't want to necessarily bet it. That's the whole point. There's a spectrum. So let's say the line's seven right now. You know, this has been a long pause, so I think what we do is not get into this now. But I do think in the spring, when there's a little more time, we should talk about the difference between these no-vig bets versus, hey, there's a 20-cent straddle. When do you bet it? When do you bet against line moves? I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. Personally, I like New Mexico State here. Sports Illustrated had an interesting write-up on this game, I thought, saying New Mexico State shoots the ball well, passes the ball well, which should be very effective against an Auburn team, which is a high-risk defense taking chance. Do you, do you guys agree with that? Yep. Yes. So I like the matchup. But now the question is, well, it was 7.5. It's now 6.5. What do you do with that? 
you know, a lot of batters, Fez, I would say more than half professional batters won't take the second number in any case. What do you think the, the percentage is? Yeah, I think more than half. Good discipline is a way to stay in business and protect your bankroll. It's hard to win chasing numbers that aren't close to what the openers that you could have gotten. But, I mean, we're talking about half points. I mean, there's just some guys that, that won't even lay an extra half point. Like, if it was out there at, at three and a half, they're not laying four. Yep, a lot of them are. And, yeah, you're going to lose. And to me, in poker, there's a lot of hands that are about break even. And there's certain players that figure, I get a lot of reps playing those break even hands. And I agree with that in poker because you're learning as you go. In sports betting, why don't you just write it in a book? Make a mind bet. If you're thinking about betting a number that's not the best number and put it in your Excel sheet and see what at the end of the year what ends up happening. And what I oftentimes do is I make a pizza bet. I bet like one-fourth what I was going to bet, RJ. I still bet it, but I really scale back my bet size. Yeah, but you're – I mean one-fourth isn't a pizza bet. Right? I mean <laughs> I can see that. the special mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next game. That's pretty good, Fez. <laughs> Unbelievably. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> We've got, holy camoli, we've got Dave Esler and A.J. Hoffman with picks on this same game. I wonder if they'll agree with me. Let's see. We'll start with Mr. Dave Esler. Thursday night, love New Mexico State plus six and a half over Auburn. Opened a little higher. Money come in on New Mexico State already. I know this is playing with fire. Everyone saw what Auburn did to LSU on Sunday, and Sunday has a lot to do with me loving New Mexico State. The Aggies only played Saturday, and they didn't expend a whole lot of energy in Las Vegas. So Auburn's playing what I'd call short rest, not the number of days as much as the logistics. First, they had to play in Salt Lake City, so there's travel. Secondly, they can't be too happy about having to go out there. Thirdly, Salt Lake has altitude they're not used to, New Mexico State is. They play at Utah Valley. They played at Colorado State this year. They also played Kansas to a three-point game. So if they can play Kansas to a three-point game, they can beat Auburn. New Mexico State made it here last year and played a very good Clemson team tough, bringing everybody back, most everybody. Now they're one of the most experienced teams in the nation. They haven't lost a game in almost three months. On paper, they're small against Auburn. They're not undersized. And Auburn's interior defense lasts in the SEC. If Auburn doesn't turn the Aggies over, they might not even win the game. I'll gladly take the generous points against the three-point shooting Tigers in a different venue with different sight lines and an early start time. Love New Mexico State here. Very savvy from Asler. Yeah, except, except he said that Auburn played LSU on Sunday. They played Tennessee on Sunday. Oh, so he misspoke? Oh, that's, I mean, that's a big difference, LSU and Tennessee. I mean, you, you, Auburn took out a, a number one team, a team that was number one for a good chunk of the season. So you, so what side do you like in this game, Ken? No, I, I mean, I, wouldn't, I would only play Auburn. I would only play Auburn. And, so well, well, let's get involved. That's why I said six and a half, seven. If the line's five, I'll lay the five. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what, that. I'm just saying that's you got to have your. Usually, you know, people ask for a half a point. <laughs> yeah, you look all three. Well, what, all three you, you guys. All three you guys. Yeah, I'll all, give you. All no, three no, you guys I'll like just, you and me. 
I'll give you five. Okay. These other guys won't do that, but I'll, okay. I'll do it. There you go. Okay, because, no, you know, everybody likes New Mexico State no, around I the country. against you now? Yes. <laughs> and then go, 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 <laughs> go grab the Rogue 7. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Here's the, the other thing is I respect Bruce Pearl, and he'll have his guys ready for the game. And Harper comes off his worst shooting game of the year, and the kid shoots 44% behind the arc. He's going to be dialed in. Again, if New Mexico State hangs within that number, I agree with Dave Essler. They'll have a chance to knock him off straight up. All right. We also have A.J. Hoffman on this game. Hopefully Ken's blood pressure doesn't go up. New Mexico State and Auburn. I'm going to take the Aggies plus seven here. I know Woo! 13 in a plus row. Plus seven, not plus State five. Lost in the first round of the tournament. They may lose again. I just need them to stay within a number. These two teams are like a mirror image of each other. The, uh, the This matchup jumped off the page to me early. I actually expected a juicier number with Auburn coming off the SEC tournament win. I thought maybe we'd get a little added value here. But one thing's a lock. There's going to be a lot of three-pointers made in this game. They've both got they're both excellent offensive rebounding teams, which is rare for three point shooting teams. New Mexico State, one of the best ball movement teams in the country, completely unselfish. They move the ball around and find open shots. That's where I think Auburn struggles. They rank 327th in defensive three point attempt rate. New Mexico State's going to punish them if they get open looks here. The Tigers are the 36th most experienced team in the country. New Mexico State's not far off though at 73rd. The Aggies also boast the top-rated bench in the country per Ken Palm. This team is experienced in the tournament. They're deep, they're well-coached, and they come in hot, having won 19 in a row. Uh, They should push, if not beat, Auburn. New Mexico State, plus seven. Any contradictions, Ken? Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, I respect New Mexico State, but when you're playing Cal State Bakersfield, Utah Valley, UT Rio Grande, Missouri, Kansas City, RJ, I want to ask Brad Powers because he's got his power ratings there. Where are these teams? they got to be 300 or below most of these teams. Auburn's playing teams that are in the top 25. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, there's a big strength of schedule difference here, about 200 spots, but that's building in the that's number, it. KT. Oh, I'm good. That's why I've got five, man. That's oh, why I only laid boy, five. He's yeah. dogging you now that's about that right. five. You know what's funny, though? Brad, For I mean, it's 200 bucks, right? I mean, for oh. Brad, it's tipping money. I mean, <laughs> might be 20 nights out, but still, it's yeah. It's not the money. It's the... It, but but, you, but let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. If you win at that bad number, it's going to feel good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's real <laughs> good. And, and it's ah, but if the, I'll tell you what, what's going to feel worse... Is if they win by six. Yeah, if they lose by six, <laughs> I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> Kansas, Northeastern. Right now, Kansas is only seven. Now, let's think about this. It opened 11 and a half... <laughs> That means, Brad, you must love Northeastern. Lean. Lean. (laughs) Lean Northeastern here. You know, watch eye test for me. Kansas, the Big 12 championship game, they can atone for not winning the Big 12 regular season title. And to me, just Kansas didn't have it against Iowa State in that Big 12 championship game in that one. And for good reason, this is a depth-shy Kansas team that had to play three games in three days. Now they're traveling here. I, I get it. You have three days off, but they're already playing without two of their best players, Azabuki and LeGerald Vick, against a Northeastern team that's very efficient. We talked about this on, on SOV. One of the major reasons Northeastern's getting steamed is, I mean, number five in the country in an effective field goal percentage that's you know, taking into consideration how well you do at three and two is given a half, one and a half value to the three point shot compared to the two. So a very good offensive team against a Kansas team that looked like they had nothing in their legs here just on Sunday. Give me Northeastern here plus the uh, seven. Just a lean though. Just a lean. Ken. 
Yeah, I'm going to lean too, man. I'm with them on Northeastern. I mean, it's a good team. And uh, Pasika, if you haven't seen this kid play, this kid's dynamite. Uh, scores about 18 points a game, but he missed seven games, and those were games that Northeastern struggled. And when this kid plays, he he's good enough to me to be starting on Kansas. I know they lost to Gerald Vick, but Pusika would start on Kansas right now. Uh, that's how good he is, and they're well coached. They shoot the ball real well. They're very efficient, and they're fundamentally sound. Kansas better be careful. This is one of those pitfalls that if they're not on their game, they can lose. It's a Northeastern team that was focused and took out the number one seed, Hofstra, in the uh, Colonial Tournament. Okay, boy, these line moves are – It's like almost makes it unbattable, Faz, because if, if you bet Northeastern – I mean, it's one thing for a point or point and a half. We can debate it. But 11.5 to 7 – but then on the other hand, literally people were betting Northeastern at seven and a half. So if you're laying the seven, you're now laying one ten, a half a point away where in theory sharp money was betting against you. Yeah, and I, I agree with all the Northeastern money, RJ. Let's face it, Kansas and Brad mentioned it best. Kansas had just had their streak broken of winning the Big 12. But it's redemption time. They can win the Big 12 tournament still say, hey, we got some Big 12 title. They're playing in Kansas it's against Iowa State, a team they're supposed to be better than. And here's what happens. Despite the fact it should be a home run spot for Kansas, what's this? All the money on Iowa State late. Iowa State actually closes in some places as the favorite despite the venue. So the marketplace is saying that Iowa State is not just better than Kansas. They're significantly better. So if Iowa State, who's a decent team, Borderline top 20. If they're better than Kansas, what is Kansas doing laying seven to a good Northeastern team? I think you could only look towards Northeastern. So why not like it? I hate playing into the bad number. Well, AJ says, I don't give a care. Northeastern and Kansas. I like Northeastern plus seven here. One of the one of the most underappreciated offenses in the country, Northeastern. They're a top 50 offense, 47th in Ken Palm to be exact, but that doesn't tell you just how good they are. They rank fifth nationally in effective field goal percentage, 22nd in three-pointers made, 14th in three-point percentage, and they also protect the ball, 42nd nationally in turnovers. Kansas is a team limping into this tournament, it made obvious by that non-competitive showing against Iowa State. They had a friendly draw to get to the conference title game. They caught a dead Texas team and West Virginia, who's bad, coming off a massive upset over Texas Tech. The Jayhawks haven't won a, a game away from fog against a tournament team since January 12th against Baylor. Northeastern's lost once in their last 13 games. That was an overtime loss on the road. They're well-coached and the 59th most experienced team in the country. I'm picking the Huskies to cover, but I also have them penciled in to move on in my personal bracket. Northeastern plus seven over the Jayhawks. Ooh, remember AJ's part of our bracket. Uh, Dream, dream bracket. Now there's only one game left. And to my great delight, like literally heart skipping. That's my best bet too, RJ, the last game. What? Yeah. I, what game are we talking about? Baylor and Syracuse. Hold on a second. Oh, my God. I don't see it written down. So what's your best bet? Syracuse. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Fez is going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> First, though, I mean, this might be the one of the greatest confluence of events ever. And we start with Blossom. Don't know about the future. That's 
it's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Just quote it verbatim, Fez. If she says, why can't we go to dinner tonight, whatever, say, what's going on with the future? It's anybody's bet. Ain't no reason for getting all depressed. Right now. Best back crossfire time. In this corner. Ken Thompson. He waited till the last game to fire. But. Also with him. Brad Powers. (laughs) And sitting by himself. Scared. Steve Fezzik. <laughs> go, Ken, go. Well, Tyus Battle's been banged up with a hip injury, but he's ready to roll for Bayheim's boys. And that zone, that zone's just going to be too long and too quick to give Baylor an outside shot that's going to be wide open and not contested. Look, Makai Mason's a pretty good player, the transfer that comes over. And when he's 100%, he hasn't been 100% pretty much the whole year for Scott Drew. They're okay, but the loss of a couple players early on, Clark and Lindsey, going to come back to bite him. I think Syracuse, who's a team that's gone down to Duke and won, and, and you know, they played really well in the ACC at times. I just think there's a, it's going to be a mismatch here. I think Syracuse is going to win this game. They're going to pull away, win this game by double digits. Who are you texting with, Fess? <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Best bet, Syracuse minus two. Brad. That was back home. Looks like it's ramen noodles Monday. <laughs> I'm on Syracuse minus the two. Kate, like. Like Syracuse minus the two here. <laughs> Obviously, the zone, very unique to prep for. Syracuse 2-3 zone, something that Baylor just doesn't see on a consistent basis. That's why Syracuse year after year after year maybe underperforms in the regular season. Tournament hits, you blink, and it's an eight-seed Syracuse team that ends up in the Elite Eight. Syracuse, the tallest team in the country. That makes that zone that much more effective. And per a man, Syracuse, two and a half inches taller than a banged-up Baylor team limping into the tournament, like Syracuse minus the two. What happened, Faz? Well, I was texting my wife asking her if she wanted anything from the Weiss Deli because I thought I might want to soften her up with something nice, some good news and some bad news. All right, here's what's going on. Ken Thompson, oh, uh, Tyus Battle is going to be ready to roll. He's Syracuse's best player. He's 17 points per game. Well, he had a lower back injury. He fell. He missed the ACC tournament. I think it's a leap of faith to say that a kid that missed the tournament is suddenly going to be ready to roll and be 100%. I see this as a free roll. If uh, Tyus Battle is 100%. So you, so you feel great. If Ty, No, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I can make a case at least. So if Tyus Battle... Is 100%. I agree. Syracuse is the right side. I don't believe he's 100%. If he was, why would he sit out all of the weekend games? So, because of that, I'm on the other side with Baylor. RJ, really, it didn't matter. I mean, Syracuse, even if they if they won that tournament, they're not going to move up that much. I mean, and they, they weren't going to win it anyway with the likes of North Carolina, Virginia, and Duke, especially, you know, with the big guys eye on back trying to get a title and get a number one seed. So Syracuse is smart. Bayheim's been in this industry for a long time, and he knows, you know what, guys? Let those three tobacco road teams, let them fight it out. Let us go back up to New York, and we'll practice, and we'll rest up our guy, our star guy. We'll be ready for the tournament. Now here's the only question. How ruthless am I? 
So I have every right to press the green button too. Yep. Now, Brad, if you were me, what would you do? Oh, I I'd go after Fez. Fez, what would you? He's gone after me. Are you kidding me? What would you do, Fez? I have no comment. (laughs) Ken, if you were me, would you jump on top, or would you think Fez is struggling? You know, something's you know. You already know he's going to be grounded by the wife, so you probably just kneel on the football, RJ. So you're saying if it was you, you wouldn't do it? Yeah, I'd let him go. All right. Well, luckily, we're very different people. Exactly. And I just think of one thing. <laughs> I'm the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> I can't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I can't believe KT thought you would lay off. Oh, no, I didn't think he, he would lay off. He went to Ohio State University. <laughs> right, right, right. I Woody Hayes. I didn't no, think. <laughs> why'd you go for two against Michigan? Because I couldn't, couldn't go, go for three. three. <laughs> That's right. But you asked me. He asked me what I would do, not what he would do. I knew damn well he yeah. pressing that <laughs> Sam White, the former Bengals coach, once had a 40-point lead against the Oilers, and at the end of the game, he kicked a field goal. They asked him why he kicked a field goal with one minute to go. His response was, I was not confident that we would be able to get it in the end zone in time. Great story. Last thing we'll say (laughs) is tomorrow is another day for Fez. Hopefully... He won't call in sick. We got a second podcast, and and well, I guess you. I, well, we'll figure. No, no senior day this week. All right, no senior he, day. He's coming strong. All right, so we got the whole thing. We got. Remember, we've got that special, 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 special pick in the bracket pod, and I'm just going to close with this. And this is coming straight from my heart to you. Now, I can't help it that I'm custom-made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.